It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box, and Free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. On your Monday episode of Locked On Raptors, the Toronto Raptors show off their very wide range of potential outcomes with a very disappointing loss to the Knicks on Friday and a pretty encouraging win to break a three-game losing streak against the Blazers on Sunday. We will dig into the big takeaways from the weekend, why the win against the Blazers complicates the picture even further if you're the Raptors front office trying to decide what in fact to do before the deadline. We'll get to all of that, the good, the bad, the hmm, and so much more on your Monday episode of Lockdown Raptors. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So I don't shoot kind of this. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on? Welcome to episode number, oh God, 13, 16, 13, 17. I'll figure it out later of Locked On Raptors for Monday, January the 9th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work just by going to Twitter and following me at Woodley Sean. You can also follow, subscribe to, rate, and review the podcast for free on your favorite audio apps. It's much appreciated when you take the time to support the show. Also, we're on YouTube. If you want to go watch the show in video form every day, hello out there, video people. Please go and hit the big red subscribe button over on the Lockdown Raptors YouTube channel. It's so appreciated. All the links are down in the description as well to go and do all of the things to, to support the show. It's always appreciated. And uh, without further ado, Let's dive on into your solo episode. Vivek Jacob will be along later this week. Normally, we get the Big V Monday tradition here, but uh, Big V is getting ready for the halfway point check-in for our preseason over-unders and props contest with Sahal Abdi. That will be a show that drops on Thursday this week. You have that to look forward to. Big week of the show. We'll uh, we'll tee it up later on. But 
Today, we're digging into a pair of Raptors games, a loss to the Knicks on Friday, and a win over the Portland Trailblazers on uh, Sunday. Yeah, uh, that's what the days are. Who, who, I don't even know what day it is anymore. Anyway, Raptors go one and one. And to me, you know, we'll get into some of the, the, the sort of smaller takeaways. We're going to dig into Scotty Barnes later on in the show and just how tremendous I think he's been as they've adapted his role. One of his better games of the season on Sunday. And, you know, he kind of is this avenue to lots of good things for the Raptors offense. We'll get to that. We got the good, the bad, the hmm coming up later. But for me, the big takeaway from this weekend is that I, I get why this has got to be a very difficult decision for the Toronto Raptors front office coming into the deadline as to what exactly the direction is going to be. And it's because we saw the very sort of two far ends, maybe not the two far ends, but two very uh, far apart types of performances from the Raptors on their typical performance spectrum. And, you know, you could take all sorts of takeaways from the loss, say, hey, this was a lifeless, meandering loss where the half court was an absolute nightmare on offense, and it's indicative of a need to blow the whole thing up, start fresh around Scotty Barnes, Pascal Siakam, and OG Ananobi, and say, hey, the rest of this thing isn't working. And hey, you maybe be fair in saying that. You also see on Sunday this game against the Blazers where you get actual real bench production. You get a really good effort from the offense in the half court. You get uh, you know, the starters continuing to kind of coalesce together into a pretty formidable group when they're when they're kind of cooking. And you come and realize after a game like that, like, oh, that's the formula. That's what got the Raptors to 48 wins last season in large part. You know, they forced a million turnovers against the Blazers. They withstood a Dame Lillard barrage in the fourth quarter, which is a very difficult thing to do. They, I think, maintained a, a pretty strong defensive identity. They were on a string, not only against the Blazers, but I think against the Knicks, too. They had some really good moments, and they kind of got done in by an insane heat check game from Julius Randle. But either way, against the Blazers, you see, oh, like there's actually something worth salvaging here if they kind of cut the shit and just play the way that they can. And that's the big thing, right, is can they do that reliably? Can they do that over the course of multiple games? One game against the Blazers is not going to convince anybody that this Raptors team is fixed or is worth completely standing pat with going into the deadline. But you string a run of performances like the one against the Blazers together and maybe you're kind of talking it's it's a really hard spot the raptors find themselves in right now because the timing of it all the just like the lack of time the lack of any sort of wiggle room here with what they do they're kind of being put under duress to make a call on the futures of fred van vliet and gary trent jr potentially other guys as well when we're still very much in the discovery phase, it feels like, with this team, right? You know, the first half of last season felt like a wash. You had injuries, you had COVID, none of it really felt real. You get into the new year, and they go 34-17 and 17 to close the season. They do a lot of the things that we saw them do against the Blazers, where, you know, there's reasonable half-court production. It's not amazing. It's not like they're the, you know, the, the, the Kevin Durant Brooklyn Nets or anything like that, but... They are still, you know, able to get pretty good looks off. There's five options on the floor at all times when they have their starting lineup out there. That works in their in their favor. When the threes are falling from a guy like Fred Van Fleet or a guy like OG Ananobi, that makes things all really kind of work in unison with a lot of cohesion. And then you get a little bit of bench effort, just something to keep the Raptors from having to play their main guys 42 minutes and completely gassing themselves. You give yourself some cushion to actually 
take a game and, and you know be in control of it and fight off runs from the opposing team as opposed to always having to be the team making the runs and you see the formula there for a pretty good team again that won 48 games last season the other part of it is the Knicks game right where they just look completely stagnant they look totally lost on offense the fourth quarter you know the first half of the fourth quarter before another fake comeback another valiant fake comeback which I might be kind of a sicko for I don't know uh (laughs) maybe I just love punishment maybe it's Stockholm syndrome I don't know I just can't stop loving the fake comebacks but in actuality, uh, they suck, and they were. It was necessary against the Knicks because the offense completely fell off a cliff to start that fourth quarter. Just mid-range jumper after mid-range jumper without much process behind it, and that's the bad of this Raptors team. That's if you're someone who thinks you should be looking to retool and changing up the mix going into the deadline. That's the game you point to where it all kind of falls apart, and a game that was certainly gettable. The Knicks did not perform all that well to me outside of Julius Randle having himself a ridiculous shooting night. That was a gettable game for the Raptors that they just let slip because their offensive process at the start of the fourth quarter was miserable. And it's just, I don't know, man. (laughs) They've got a dead even point differential this season. They are not as bad as their record suggests, even though surely some of that point differential is buoyed a little bit by the fact that, you know, they have fake comebacks all the time that never result in anything material. You have really sort of equal-sized samples now of the Raptors being excellent, the back part of last season, and being horrible and really, really inconsistent and frustrating the first part of this season. Trying to figure out which of those samples is more real is the challenge for the Raptors front office right now. And I don't envy the, 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 the job of having to figure it out because you could sway me either way. Look, maybe I'm particularly keen on or particularly prone to being you know, persuaded by a couple of good games. Um, and, you know, I certainly as like a fan kind of skew more patient and I'm not in the need of like big moves all the time. And I like to kind of let things play out. I accept my sort of built in biases here, but There are equal samples of the Raptors being a really good team that, you know, was the talk of the NBA in the back part of last season of being a horrible matchup for whoever they were going to play in the first round. You know, TM, the team no one wants to play in round one. That's what they were, and it was justified. They were really good and better health in that Sixers series. They might even go on to win the damn thing. It's... Again, it's very hard to sort of parse what's more real. And maybe you're the kind of person who thinks both are, you know, equally sort of valid, right? And it's somewhere in the middle. That's probably what's actually the case. Maybe this isn't a 48-win team right now, you know, as it stands. Maybe it's not a 33-win team as it stands either. Maybe it's actually like a 41-42 win team on, you know, just the way it's built and on balance. But is that not good enough to sort of say, hey, this isn't in need of a total sort of, you know, nuclear path forward here is it is it enough to say hey we didn't take the leap we wanted to look for you know from last year that said last year set the bar for expectation maybe unreasonably high coming into the season do you sort of recalibrate if you're the Raptors front office and say hey you know it's not gone the way we wanted this year but there's still stuff here there's still promising signs the starting lineup is now a you know pretty notable positive over the course of 200 and I think 33 minutes now this season they're a plus 4.7 net rating per cleaning the glass that's really good to see you love that um you know is there enough here to say we you know, we believe there's a better team than has performed so far this year. It's a good team that's played badly as opposed to just being a bad team. 
And if that's the answer, then maybe the Raptors do stand pat at the deadline. Maybe they make a small move, you know, for some bench help or something like that, you know, using a Chris Boucher or something and just changing up the deck chairs, whatever. Maybe that's the path. I, I don't know. Again, I'm not in the in the position to where, where I have to make the call, which is great. And look, I still think the arguments for, Fred, for trading Fred Van Vliet are very valid. And maybe this season is too far gone. And maybe you just have to come to grips with reality and say, hey, this is not a team that's going to go and be a six seed this year. This is not a team that's going to achieve what you hoped it would this year. And because of the realities of the contract situations for guys, Fred Van Vliet, obviously, who we'll talk about later on in the hmm section regarding his contract situation. Maybe you think, hey, like as much as it would be nice if we could let this thing ride and just pay everyone and hope that it all kind of develops, maybe on a, on a delayed track, but it still develops into the team we thought it could be at the start of the season. Maybe that's where you want to go, but it is at some point, maybe you just have to kind of decide, hey, the season's lost. We have to do some sort of asset management here as much as it's a grim thing to do. And maybe it's premature. Maybe it's something that, you know, the the front office is going to have to hold its nose to do. Maybe it's just the reality of it all. But I think this weekend really kind of hammered home. This is not an easy call, despite the record, despite everything. There's a world in which... This season is sort of like a gap year. It's a, you know, maybe they kind of flail a little bit. Maybe they finish 11th. Maybe they finish 13th. Maybe they finish 8th. Who knows? They go and they get their first round pick. They add it to the mix and they say, hey, we're going to take off. It's just a bit of a delayed takeoff time. We were de-icing the plane for a season and then we take off. That's a big bet to make if you're the front office for sure. And, and, you know, certainly the kind of bet that could put your job on the line if you're Bobby Webster or whomever, right? Like if you're saying, hey, no, this team actually trust me. It's good. Give it a year and it will turn it out. And that might be right. Like that very well could happen. Scotty Barnes is turning things around here. Fred Van Vliet is not going to shoot 33% all season long from three. It's just not going to happen. He's never done it before in his career. OG, Trent, like these guys have made strides in, in various you know spots. Pascal Siakam's as good as he's ever been. If you can supplement the best players on the team who again are performing well together we'll get into scotty barnes and why i kind of think that's making that work right now but there's a it's it's a very complex web of decisions and each one is going to have its own sort of all right if you trade fred van vliet how do you replace the shooting and ball handling that he provides going into next season can you replace it going into next season is that something that's even viable and if you don't have Fred Van Vliet, are you sitting there in six months saying, damn, I really wish we had Fred Van Vliet right now? It's really hard. It, it's <laughs> this weekend, just like the, the, the gulf between the performance on Friday and what we saw on Sunday against the Blazers team. That's like fine. They're not amazing. They have bench troubles just like the Raptors do. They, I think they got three bench points in this game, a single shade and sharp three. It's not great, but there is, uh, you know, it's more, it's it's way more complex than just, well, trade all the guys because the team's not winning. It's just, this is not your typical team that is stuck in the proverbial middle, right? They they have plenty of upward mobility just based on the internal guys they have. Precious Achua, Christian Coloco, who we'll talk about later. Obviously, Scotty Barnes, like those guys give them internal growth and, and sort of a ceiling that has been yet to be tapped into. It's, it's tough. We'll, we'll continue on here. We're going to dive into Scotty Barnes and why he's given me a lot of hope with the way the Raptors are using him. And, you know, if, man, if he can kind of do what he did last year and really kind of hit stride in the second half of the season, maybe this adds even more complication to the whole decision-making process before the deadline. We'll get to that in just one second. Before we do that, however, 
want to tell you about our friends over at TurboTax. Look, for me, I'm a freelance sports media person. I do most of my work for an American company. My taxes are a nightmare to do every single year. I hate it. Really, really can't stand to do it. So guess what? I go to TurboTax, baby, and I get someone to do them for me. You can go to TurboTax.com. Don't do your taxes. Meet with an expert who will do them for you. TurboTax experts can relieve you from the stress of taxes and file for you so you can do not taxes. Doing not taxes is the best thing. You can show your eyes things that are not taxes. You can unpack a moving box of not taxes. Taste not taxes. Smell not taxes. Doing not taxes is the very best way to spend your time. With a TurboTax 100% expert guarantee, expert will do your taxes from start to finish so you can relax. Feels good to be done with your taxes, doesn't it? Come to TurboTax and don't do your taxes. Visit TurboTax.com to learn more. Intuit TurboTax, full service products only. Video meeting while expert does your taxes required. See guaranteed details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Did you say no to a big wedding and elope at the county courthouse? That's a move. Did you go back to school to get your degree? That's a move. Did you relocate for a fresh start? Well, that's literally a move. Maybe you moved into a houseboat instead of a house house, or switched gears from rideshare driving to video game streaming, or you rode the stock market to the moon and back. TurboTax experts make all your moves count, getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So switch to TurboTax, make your moves They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com slash guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live. All right. We continue on here with your first listen of the day. Digging into now, maybe sort of my biggest positive takeaway from the whole weekend, which was Scotty Barnes. And I think him having maybe his best game of the season. Uh, you know, I, it's been, a, I think, a good thing that we've been saying this a lot about Scotty Barnes of late. Yes, there have been some not-so-great performances mixed in there, of course. Um, you know, we saw in the game against the Knicks on Friday, just, like, not uh, enough offensive punch. We saw for three quarters against the Bucks, not enough offensive punch. And against the Blazers, we really saw, I think, Scotty Barnes start to weaponize the way teams are defending him. We've seen a really extreme style of defense from other teams over the last little while here, last couple weeks, I'd say, with how they're guarding the Raptors and how they're just kind of daring Pascal Siakam to have to do everything. And it's it's not really working, right? Like Siakam right now is going through a bit of a hard time. You know, a nice game to, to sort of bounce back. He got to the line a million times, 27-4-6 with two steals and a block against the Blazers, and it didn't feel like an overwhelming Siakam game. That just kind of speaks to how good he is and how he just kind of walks into his averages anyway most nights. But we're seeing the limits of, hey, Siakam, go do stuff and make stuff happen for the team because teams are treating him like it's Tampa all over again. They're meeting him with two or three bodies in the paint. They're really, really loading up on him. And they're forcing him to trust his teammates, and the teammates aren't doing a great job of instilling said trust because they're not hitting their shots. So they haven't been for the most part this season. And there's just like a limit as to how effective your offense can actually be when your best player is plunging into three guys all the time. It's just, it's a really high level of difficulty, and they need another outlet. They need someone to grease the wheels. Who better than the guy who the other team is not guarding at all in Scotty Barnes? And I think we're finally starting to see, we saw some very 
I think trepidatious play from Scotty Barnes the last week or, or week or two here as teams have started to just completely sag off of him. I think the most sort of extreme example to begin this run was against the Pacers last Monday where Miles Turner's just hanging out 20 feet away from him in the paint. And Scotty Barnes, to his credit, was trying to make stuff happen. He was doing dribble handoffs, stuff like that, but wasn't enough taking it upon himself to try and score. We saw in the Blazers game, Yusuf Nurkic not guarding Scotty Barnes at all. He hits in the first quarter, a mid-range jumper, stepping into that sort of free throw line area where there's just nobody guarding him right now. Hits it, also hits a catch-and-shoot three in the first quarter. It took all of two makes for Scotty Barnes to change the way the Blazers had to think about him on defense. A little later on in that first quarter, he steps into that free throw range. Uh, you know, Yusuf Nurkic is there. A piece of help comes over for him as well. And all of a sudden, Gary Trent Jr. is leaking out of the basket. Scotty Barnes is hitting him for a wide-open bucket. That's really how simple it can be. <laughs> just establish that you can take that shot, that you're happy to take that shot, and you're going to be off and running. Also, Scotty Barnes is a guy who can go and score over pretty much anyone in the league. We saw that with Brooke Lopez last week becoming his lunch in the late going of that game against the Bucks. He's getting right now a runway with which he can really make stuff happen. And I think... He's, again, starting to weaponize that and f realizing, hey, like, I get myself into the middle of the defense. I can plunge into the defense here, touch paint, and I'm Scotty freaking Barnes. I can throw any pass in the book. I can score over anybody. There are so many options for me once I get here. It's really, I think, kind of greasing the wheels of the Raptors' half-court offense when he does that. And we saw against the Blazers pretty much a full game of Scotty Barnes being the sort of connective piece of the Raptors offense and we saw one of their better play you know ball movement and passing games in quite some time I think he just has a kinetic energy he does he's a guy who's always been pass first right there were all the stories of him in college and in high school and working with coaches and in, in, in the lead up to the draft where I think his college coach Leonard Hamilton asked him hey you got to go out and score 25 points a game and just play with that mindset and I think his response was uh, I'm quoting I, I think uh, a story from Mike Schmitz the former uh, front office, or sorry, ESPN guy who's now with the Blazers front office, but the story he said on Low Post, uh, the Low Post podcast with Zach Lowe is, is something along the lines of Scotty asking, hey, do assists count as points? Like, he's wired to throw passes first. He's wired to look for guys and set guys up. He's a point guard at heart. At least that's how he's branded himself coming into the league and throughout his career. And so I, I tend to believe him when he says that. And he's a guy who's looking to get other guys their shots. And I think when he's using that space in the middle of the floor, because of his height, because he can survey everything, because it leaves Pascal Siakam as an off-ball option who can go and you know attack a closeout or you know find a mismatch on the wing or even just bomb a corner three, um, you know because you have Scotty Barnes and Gary Trent Jr. and OG Ananobi, your three best shooters, roving around that, it just creates a more sort of flowing and you know just like sensical half-court offense, frankly. And I think Scotty Barnes is just such a great way to sort of tie it all together because of the way he reads from the middle of the floor. You throw in the fact as well that he's like really made some strides defensively because the Raptors are using him in a different spot now. They're using him as that sort of nominal center. His rim protection has been really strong. Even, you know, Damian Lillard a couple times. He's a very difficult guy to uh, stop <laughs> as, as a defender, as a big man. He's torched big men and dropped for his entire career. That's his whole thing. But Scotty Barnes, I thought, acquitted himself pretty nicely. Even a couple of Lillard's makes were super difficult around Barnes, over Barnes in the game Sunday. He was, I thought, excellent defensively as well against the Knicks on Friday. That loss is not on him by any means. And so 
yeah, I, I just feel like we're seeing Scotty Barnes kind of realize, all right, these are the ways I can affect the game right now. There's a time in the future where he might be the point guard of the team. It might be as early as next season where he's got the ball in his hands all the time. But right now, as a conduit in the middle of the floor, connecting things, finding shooters, finding cutters, he's really kind of thriving. And he's also got the scoring chops as well to go do it when he needs to. You throw in three steals, two blocks, 22-9-4 and four overall. Like, really, really great game from Scotty Barnes. Um, and the exact type of performance they're going to need from him. Fred Van Vliet speaking after the game about him. Um, you know, I thought pretty wise stuff digging into why, you know, it's good that he's kind of struggling this season to sort of get that experience. You know, kind of adjusting to the way the league is adjusted to him. He's adjusting back now. The latest adjustment is we're not guarding you at all. And he's starting to really take advantage of that reality. And it's... Uh, it's a good sign for the Raptors. It's a good sign going forward. And again, another thing that complicates matters here, because if Scotty Barnes can be the sort of vessel by which the half-court offense gets a little less predictable, a little less Siakam-centric, um, and sort of frees Siakam up to pick his spots, frees the offense up to kind of play this flowing style where it's pinging around, uh, then that makes the whole deadline decision time that much more difficult as well that's the overarching thing for everything it seems to be going on with the team right now is uh everything that happens informs what the decision making is going to be in a few weeks time a month's time whatever it is and uh this is one of them good problems right oh scotty barnes is playing really well and maybe unlocking a new sort of uh you know ceiling for the offense Ooh, that's that's good stuff <laughs> as much as it makes it difficult to sort of parse what's real what's not ahead of the deadline um, really, really good stuff from Scotty. He's really turned it around here, I think, the last few weeks. There are still some stinkers in there. He needs to be more aggressive start to finish, which he was in that Blazers game, and you saw the beautiful effects of it. Um, if he can kind of carry that forward, things are looking up for the Raptors. Previously, wretched offense. Maybe they can just be normal, good old bad. Uh, <laughs> We're going to come back in the other side and get into the good, the bad, and the hmm to round out the uh, weekend. We'll talk about a couple of notes from over the weekend and also the Fred Van Vliet contract stuff, which uh, was talked about in a piece by Tim Bontemps over at ESPN. We love Timmy Good Times here, the uh, the best ESPN reporter, I would say, who's coming around. I mean, Zach Lowe is great too, but Timmy, Timmy B knows what he's doing. We're going to come back on the other side. Get into the good, the bad, and the hmm. Before we do that, however, I've got to tell you about our dear friends over at Built Bar, who are the best. They make the best-tasting protein bars in the game. I'm not someone who likes protein bars, like, at all. They're really not my thing. Built Bar has changed that because they're delicious. They make it feel like I'm being indulgent, and boy, oh boy, do I love to be indulgent. But Built Bars, they're, I mean, they're helping me wean off of all the crap I was eating over the holidays. I always kind of get into slob mode during the holidays, but now it's back. Real life is coming back. I'm feeling terrible all the time. Built Bars are the way for me to power up a workout or just get through the morning and have a nice snack that's not going to weigh me down or anything like that. You get 130 calories, way less than your standard candy bar, just four grams of sugar and 130 uh, sorry, 17 grams of protein, that is, in each of your bars as well. Right now, you can go to Walmart and pick up a box. They are available there. Go check them out. They have all sorts of flavors for you. You can pick up a four box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs, all sorts of other fantastic flavors as well. Those puffs, if you like marshmallow delights, if you feel like having yourself a little indulgence, those puffs are a really good way to go. Go check them out right now at Walmart and uh, Built.com as well. It's Built, baby. Go check them out. Hi, I'm Jake from Locked On. There's a lot to say when buying a new home or car, but really the first words you want to say are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And trust me, as someone named Jake, that is a fact. 
That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who could help you find the right coverage for the things you want to protect. Insurance doesn't need to be complicated with a State Farm agent. With so many coverage options, it feels good knowing you can find what fits you because your situation is unique. And State Farm is there to help you feel supported with the coverage you need for your car, your home, and even boats, motorcycles, RVs, and other things that matter to you. And when you need ways to get help, don't yell or be angry because State Farm gives you options there too, in person or on the phone with your local agent or on statefarm.com or their award-winning app. State Farm lets you do things your way. So when you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember to say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, let's continue on here with your first listen of the day, bringing in the good, the bad, and the hmm to round out today's show, the way we round out every game recap episode from the covering your Toronto Raptors. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you know the deal by now. The good for me, I feel like this is my good every single time out now, but Gary freaking Trent Jr., man, he is really, really making the case to keep him around beyond the trade deadline. He was, I think, the guy to trade de jour for the first many jours of the season. He felt like he was telegraphed to be moved by the deadline. He was, you know, the role was oscillating. Nick Nurse was calling him out. He moved to the bench. And he has responded extremely well to all of the criticism, to the oscillations in role, to the moving to the bench. And he's playing the best ball I think we've seen him play as a Toronto Raptor. We saw last night... That little bit of bench production they got, that second quarter run that really was like, as Fred Van Vliet said, it was kind of what won them the game. It gave them a cushion. It held them ahead and gave them a, like some control of the game. You know, the, the bench wasn't as great in its second run. It was up against the Blazers starters, which is maybe more of a Nick Nurse thing than it is the lineup's fault. But, you know, Gary Trent Jr. out there with Malachi Flynn and Chris Boucher and Precious Achua, Thad Young, Christian Coloco, both swapping in there as well as the five. And we saw Gary Trent Jr. kind of do the thing, I think, most people who were on Team Sixth Man Gary at the start of the year, which I certainly was, um, you know, he saw we he did what we hoped he could, just carry an offense just enough to allow for it to survive with good defense. And he did that. You know, that second quarter run where they, you know, kind of run out ahead of the Blazers, get up to 19-point lead, I think. It was 50-31 to 31 at one point. Like, that is just, uh, like... A breath of fresh air, man. And again, kind of what we hoped Gary Trent Jr. could be capable of. I still think there are limits to it. I probably wouldn't go him and four bench guys all the time just because I don't know if there's enough creation there. I don't know if there's enough playmaking there. He's just not ever looking to pass necessarily. But they got by enough with the defense and a couple of big shots from him. Pressures Achua, you know, factoring in as well. Chris Boucher in there too with a couple of moments. Gary Trent Jr., man, he's really good. And... He fits really well. We know he's a wonderful fit next to Pascal Siakam, Scotty Barnes. Like he, he's just as a trigger man at the end of those guys' playmaking sequences. You can't really ask for more, honestly. And I think now at this point, you have to really look long and hard at paying him his next contract and just having him be part of the team. You know, it's probably still going to be a movable deal. You know, the cap's going up. If he's making twenty-five mil a year, I, I don't know. You know, that's probably what he's looking at, I suppose. He's at like 17, 18 right now. Maybe you get him for less than that. Deals always end up coming in lower, it feels like, than we project them to be middle of the season. But if you can keep Gary Trent Jr. for 100 mil or over four years or even less, I might be compelled to do it because of the way he fits with this team, especially if you're moving on from Fred Van Vliet, which still might be the right move. We'll talk about that in a sec. I think Gary Trent Jr. has got to stay. How can you just ship off the shooting, which you very clearly have a dearth of already, 
when you have a guy, you you know you're going to have his bird rights. You're going to have the team control to potentially bring him back, sign and trade, whatever. If if that if it comes to that, but maybe you just say like, dude, you're one of our guys. Come on in. And, and you know, it's tough. <laughs> it's these are not easy calls. But I think the way Gary Trent Jr. has played, Kayla Gray even noting on the broadcast yesterday. Nick Nurse sort of commending Gary Trent Jr. for his adaptability, the way he's been coached, the way he responds to feedback. Like, that's great to hear from a guy who was calling out Gary Trent Jr. just a couple months ago. I think he's playing himself into the plans a little bit here, and I think that's a good thing. Like, a guy who can score you 20, 25 sort of as a microwave, who can shoot like that, who can force turnovers, has played better defense of late. That's a good player to have around, and uh, I'm not upset if they decide to keep him around and not deal with the deadline. In fact, I might be happy. Um, an honorable good, by the way, to Christian Coloco. I thought he was really good against the Blazers. Um, and look, if you're looking for reasons to justify moving on from Fred Van Vliet, micro small sample reasons, the numbers of the Barnes, Trent, OG, Siakam, Coloco lineup, which in theory, if you move on from Fred, could be your starting lineup as soon as next season. Right now, plus 29.3 net rating, 97th percentile among all NBA lineups, 91st percentile on offense, 92nd percentile on defense, all per cleaning the glass. Uh, look, he's really green. It's going to take some time. He might not be there for a couple years. but And look, I've also not enjoyed how much he's played necessarily while the team's kind of been in season-saving mode because of how green he is. But you see last night, there's a little bit more finishing. He's finishing around the basket. He has the big... Uh, you know, catch on the Pascal air ball and finish late in crunch time that all but seals it. Um, you know, pretty solid defense. The the size is obviously enormous, you know, in all sorts of ways for this team, both literally and figuratively. You know, he's green. He's got some time to go here. But I think you can safely say that Christian Coloco is going to be a good one. He's going to be a guy who's on this team for a while. He's going to be a positive contributor on this team. And the way he sort of makes the big lineups work. It's pretty intriguing, man. Maybe Vision 6-9 is not dead. Maybe Vision 6-9 just needed a 7-1 guy to tie it all together. Um, you know, again, very small sample here. But his performance, the defense has been way better when he's been on the floor this season. Uh, there's a lot to like there from Christian Coloco. As much as I've maybe been a little hard on how much Nick Nurse has leaned on him, I guess that's why you do it. Maybe that's just in-season player development, and you take the lumps, and now you're getting some pretty decent performances from Coloco here. Um, you know, good stuff. Not a decent performance is my bad. And look, sometimes you make a resolution for yourself. Sometimes you say, I'm not going to eat beef all year. I'm not going to, I'm going to go to the gym this year. Sometimes you backslide and that's part of the deal, right? I came into the season saying, I'm not talking about refs this year. I just hate ref talk. It's stupid. The idea of a conspiracy theory against a team that just won an NBA championship like four years ago is very stupid. The idea that the NBA is against Canada, it's just so dumb and I'm not even entertaining it. The idea that any one game is all that tied to the outcome of a ref, I've never really bought. It all comes out in the wash. That said, my bad, and I'm just scratching that itch. I'm letting myself backslide for one day. The crew in the game against the Blazers was truly incompetent. Ben Taylor, man oh man, there is not a ref whose face I cringe at when I see more. He just has like this smarm to him. It seems like him and Nick Nurse don't get along because I kind of both think they are the guys who think they're the smartest guys in the room. And when you get those two people in the room and only one can be the smartest guy in the room, probably neither of them are, uh, but if only one guy can actually be that... They're going to clash. It feels like those guys don't like each other. 
the sort of like theatrics with the uh, you know, the, the challenge calls, you know, obviously the Scotty Barnes block on Josh Hart yesterday that it inevitably got called a Fred Van Vliet foul, also kind of a phantom call. But Ben Taylor going like, this was a successful challenge. However, uh, just like, dude, we get it. You're in the building. Cool. Good job. Like, this was an unwatchable basketball game. It was a really, really bad ref show. The third quarter took way too long for any third quarter of any basketball game ever to take. Just... Like, the ticky-tack stuff, the inconsistencies, the constant ref conferences to figure out basic calls like, did Pascal Siakam indeed throw the ball out of bounds uninhibited? Oh, I guess we have to, you know, review that because we got it wrong. Just a really, really poorly officiated game. I think it was Tom Haberstrow, who kind of keeps track of ref crews and stuff like that, said that the crew that they had yesterday, I think it was uh, Ben Taylor, Natalie Sego, and Nathan Scott is like an eighth percentile crew in terms of ref quality. Uh, crazy. Uh, really, really bad. It totally checks out because that was really poorly officiated. And I've only had the urge to get back into my ref-hating ways this season when Ben Taylor has appeared on my screen. There's just something about that dude. Really, really drives me nuts. Anyway, just had to get that off the chest in the bat. Let's go to the hmm, round it out. Fred Van Vliet's comments about never receiving a formal extension offer from the Raptors in the offseason. Seems like more, I think, uh, ominous than it does. Sounds as though it was pretty mutual on both ends for there not to be a formal offer there. Of course, Fred Van Vliet's still eligible right now for a four-year, $114 million extension. If you go back to the summer, it seemed like that was a done deal. It seemed like it was going to happen. I know our pal Jake Fisher from Bleacher Report, now Yahoo, was talking about, hey, like this is very likely to happen, and it didn't happen. And it seems as though Fred Van Vliet, once again, betting on himself, can't fight with that. It's worked for him in the past. <laughs> go nuts, dude. Um, but he thinks he's worth more than 4-114, and that's challenging because I don't know if that's the case. Look, the cap's going up, so all of this kind of has to be couched in that. The cap is probably going to go up a lot between now and the end of whatever Fred Van Vliet's next contract is, and so that has to be factored in here. There's inflation at, at play here, but 4-114, like, that almost feels kind of like close to the high end. Is Fred Van Vliet a better player now? than he was when he signed his contract? Yeah, probably, but where is he headed? Is he, as we talked about at length on Friday with Joe, like, is he on the decline? Is this a poorly timed slump before he snaps back to his regular career averages? In which case, maybe you're totally fine paying him north of one, you know, 4-1-14. Maybe 4-1-20, 4-1-25, you're comfortable with as a deal that's going to age well. I don't know. <laughs> that scares me a little bit. And look, Fred Van Vliet is more than well within his rights to say, hey, I'm going to wait and go to market or see what you know I can get after I opt out. Totally fair. But will he get that? It's hard to say. It's not like the whole league is flush ever with cap teams. There's, I think there's going to be more cap teams than there are or salary cap room teams this year than they typically have been in, in pre previous years. But is a team, you know, the same questions for Fred Van Vliet and the Raptors apply to other teams in Fred Van Vliet, right? Are they worried about a decline? Are they going to offer him more than 4114. It it hangs over everything going into the deadline here, right? And we talked at length on Friday, so I'm not going to relitigate it all as to sort of the pros and cons of trading Fred Van Vliet. I just know it's not an easy decision as much as everyone wants to make it out to be. Ship off Fred, get rid of him. It's not. Uh, if you go back to that Friday show, the trade market, the landscape of teams that might be a match, it's not exactly robust right now. 
maybe the fact that the Lakers are playing themselves back into in, in contention of you know the play-in or whatever in the West, maybe that changes things. LeBron James agitating for moves, maybe that changes things. Maybe the Lakers become a Fred Van Vliet team. Who knows? But the sort of landscape out there is not terribly rosy if you're looking for you know a bidding war necessarily. And so it, it is like. I don't know the right answer. I don't think there is like a, a, a notably wrong answer here necessarily, but um, you know, it, I'm just I'm very very interested to see exactly how this Fred thing transpires because you know, for me, I, I still think I'm fine to sort of ride it out here. And Tim Bontemps pointed out in his piece where he talked about this in, in Van Vliet's situation, um, talking about how the Raptors are this sort of team that everyone around the league is looking at as, all right, what are they going to do? Can we get their good players? My favorite brand of NBA story, by the way, is team exec talks to reporter about how much they want the Raptors guys. Uh, that's a large part of the ESPN story, although I think Bontemps does a good job, as he usually does, of contextualizing everything. Um, but yeah, it, it's... Uh... <laughs> I wish it were easy, man. I really wish it were as easy as you just trade Fred. But the market factors at play, whatever his next contract situation are going to be, it's not getting any easier. And with every good performance, with every pair of massive crunch time threes he hits, every time the dam breaks just a little bit more on his bad three-point shooting season, which we've started to see of late a little bit more, I do wonder how the Raptors are going to do this. And look... Do I think the Raptors should do nothing going into the deadline? Not necessarily. I think something's got to happen just to sort of set themselves up better for next season. But if you think the Raptors' first inclination is to not be patient and let things ride, you're kidding yourself because that's their MO. That's what they've done for the entirety of the Masai Ujiri era. You know, they make their moves and be bold when they have to be, but for the most part, they're going to be patient. They're going to let things ride out. And going back to the very beginning, if you think this Raptors team can find something resembling what they did against the Blazers more often going forward here. Maybe the whole Fred Van Vliet thing doesn't come to a head right now. Maybe it, in fact, just waits to the offseason, and maybe he's a sign-and-trade guy. Maybe they bring him back. Maybe he doesn't get what he wants elsewhere, and he settles for 4-1-14. Who's to say? But it's uh, going to be the thing that dominates our lives, I think, for the coming weeks here for sure. With that, we're going to round up the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again on Tuesday with a wonderful guest, Josh Gondelman, the hilarious stand-up comic, formerly uh, head writer for Jesus and Miro. He's going to be on with Katie Heindel and I. We're going to have some fun. Uh, he's going to give Raptors fans a pep talk, which is his very wonderful thing that he likes to do on uh, his various platforms of engaging with folks, Twitter, his, his Substack newsletter, his former podcast, Make My Day. Um, all of it's there. So Josh Gondelman, very excited about that tomorrow. Either way, uh, later in the week, we've also got uh, Hornets recap Wednesday. We've got the over-unders halfway point check-in with Sahal and Vivek on Thursday. Jamar Hines on Friday talking about Hornets Raptors 2.0. Loaded week for you. Thank you so much for supporting the show. We'll be back tomorrow. Until then, have a good one and go make your second listen of the day. Locked on Leafs. Leafs are good. They won like by a lot last night. Go check them out. Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner doing things. Dave Morsuti, Mike DiStefano, also doing things, hosting Locked on Leafs. Go check it out. And with that, we'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked on podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.